The Mayday Murders is copyright 2005 by Scott Wittenberg. To learn more about this and other novels by the author, please visit scottwittenberg.com. Chapter 19 As Anne slipped on her shoes, she could still hear Sam's self-righteous remark, I think your newfound independence is going to your head. The world isn't by any means any safer than it used to be, but you seem to think it is. She tried to ignore it, but it wouldn't go away. Who the hell did he think he was, anyway? Implying that she had suddenly become some sort of irresponsible wild woman and didn't know how to look out for herself. And he was pissed off because it was finally beginning to sink in that he's not around anymore to call the shots, and that was a big blow to his male ego. Not to mention the fact that she was seeing another man. She could already sense that Sam was insanely jealous of Jerry Rankin and wished he didn't exist in her life. That's the break, Sam, she thought to herself. You should have thought about that before you started fooling around with Shelley the slut. I have no sympathy for you whatsoever. You brought this all upon yourself. Anne went over to the mirror to look herself over again. For once, her hair was doing what it was supposed to do. Her makeup didn't look half bad either. She eyed her outfit and wondered if perhaps she had gone a little too overboard. She had boldly chosen to go with the olive green skin-tight knit top that she would purchased at the mall on her way home from the office, along with a pair of faded Lee jeans that clung to her legs and hips as if they were painted on. A little too casual for Jerry's taste, she wondered. She noticed how the shape of her ample breasts were clearly visible beneath the thin fabric and debated whether or not to put on a bra, then promptly decided against it. What the hell, she thought. Even Karen had once told her, if you've got it, flaunt it, and she was in just the right kind of mood tonight to do just that. She was not sure why she felt so lousy all of a sudden, but she did. Maybe it was because Amy was going out on her first real date tonight with a boy, and it seemed like only yesterday that she was reading her bedtime stories until she drifted off to sleep. Or maybe it was the fact that Sam was now going out with a woman half his age, and it bothered her now just as much as it had the first time she'd caught him red-handed screwing around with the bitch. Whatever the case, the feeling was there, and the cold reality of her age was beginning to catch up with her. Here she was, nearly forty years old, divorced, and getting older and less attractive by the day. It wouldn't be long before she'd lose her figure and no longer be desirable to men. She had never really given it much thought until now, and the reason for that was simple. Before now, she had been married and hadn't given a big shit how she looked to other men. Anne looked herself over again and decided Jerry would most likely approve of her attire. In fact, his eyes would probably pop out of their sockets when he saw her, she mused. And the funny thing was that she didn't care if he gawked at her tonight. She was tired of dressing conservatively all the time, just because she was afraid Jerry might get all worked up and start putting the moves on her. Karen was right. She really was being sort of a prude. She had the post-divorce jitters, and the more she thought about it, the more she realized that Karen had probably been right about something else. If she kept stalling and putting things off for too long, she might well let Jerry Rankin slip right through her fingers. His suggestion to go bowling tonight had thrown Anne for a loop, but she had to admit she was looking forward to it. She still felt a little apprehensive about his being here to see Amy and her date off to the dance, though. When she had informed Amy that Jerry would be here at the house before her date arrived, the expression on her face had told Anne that her daughter was not crazy about the idea at all. But surprise of surprises, she hadn't objected. Anne realized that this was probably because Amy was excited about the dance and hadn't wanted to put a damper on anything by getting into an argument with her mother. Anne checked the time. 
It was almost 6.30. Jerry would be here any minute. She knew that Amy was still in the bathroom and wondered if she realized how late it was getting. She decided to go downstairs to let her know. Just as Anne turned around and started for the door, she heard a scuffle and voices out in the backyard. She ran over to the bedroom window and peered down. It was too dark to see anything because she hadn't yet turned on the backyard lights. Then she realized that she had indeed turned on the lights. She had done it just after getting off the phone from Sam. So why were they off now? She heard voices again. It sounded like two men arguing, and one of the voices sounded like Jerry's. In an instant, she ran out of the bedroom and fled down the stairs. She stopped and glanced out the living room window and saw Jerry's car parked in the driveway. She ran through the kitchen and laundry room to the back door. There was a knock at the front door just as she started to open the back door. Anne ran back into the living room and peeked through the curtains. She saw Jerry Rankin and another man standing on the porch. The other man's back was to her. Anne couldn't see very clearly, but it looked as though Jerry was holding the other man's arm, as if to keep him from escaping. Anne opened the door and let out a gasp. There stood Jerry Rankin, gripping the arm of a young man who looked to be around the same age as Amy. The boy had a welt over his right eye, and there was a trickle of blood oozing from a cut on his lower lip. "'Jerry, what happened?' Jerry's expression was a mixture of concern and rage. "'I caught this little bastard peeping through your bathroom window.' "'Amy,' Anne thought. "'She's been taking a shower.' Anne's blood pressure shot up. Jerry shoved the boy forward through the doorway, pinning his arm behind his back as he did so. He stood just inside the doorway and explained. When I pulled into the driveway, I noticed that the light in the backyard suddenly went off. I thought it was peculiar, so I ran back to the fence to be sure everything was all right. I spotted this little twerp peeking in the bathroom window, so I jumped the fence and headed toward him. He saw me and started running the other way, but I caught him. Then he resisted and tried to get away from me, so I slapped him around a couple of times. Anne watched Jerry as he forced the boy over to the center of the living room and glared at him reproachfully. Anne was practically in hysterics at the moment and wasn't sure what to do or say. She could see the boy more clearly now, and she looked him over. He appeared to be about fifteen or sixteen, with a peach-fuzz baby face and short brown hair. His expression was absolutely forlorn as he stared down at the floor. In spite of the allegation against him, Anne felt the slightest pang of pity for him, for some odd reason and it was more than obvious that he was absolutely terrified of Jerry. "'His lip is bleeding. I'll go get a damp cloth,' Anne suddenly said. Jerry shot her a scornful look. "'You should let him bleed to death.' Anne ignored his remark and went into the kitchen. Her hands were trembling as she held a dishcloth under the tap and struggled to compose herself. It wasn't until she was halfway back to the living room that it finally hit her. The boy she was feeling sorry for only a moment ago was not only a peeping Tom that had trespassed on her property, but most likely the same pervert who had been making those obscene phone calls. Anne clenched her teeth with great determination as she returned to the living room and handed the dish towel to the boy. "'What's your name?' she demanded. The boy brought the towel to his injured lip and replied slowly, "'Larry Underwood.' "'And what exactly were you doing in my backyard, Larry?' The boy blinked his eyes a couple of times and turned away from Anne. Looking into the window. Why, may I ask? Larry Underwood continued looking away from her. I was just trying to see Amy. Anne got right up in his face. So you know my daughter. Is that correct? The boy nodded slowly. And do you attend Woodcrest High? Larry nodded again. And is this the first time you've snooped around my house, or have you done it before? The first time, I swear. Tell Mrs. Middleton the truth, you little pervert, Jerry glared. That's not what you told me outside. Larry Underwood's eyes went from Jerry Rankin to the floor. 
maybe a couple of times before, and then said, And have you been making obscene phone calls to this house? The boy faced Anne and replied, No, I haven't done that, and I'm really telling you the truth now. Anne looked over at Jerry, who had the boy in an arm lock. He denied making the calls to me, too. I don't know whether to believe him or not. I swear, Mrs. Middleton, I have never called your house. I'll admit that I've snooped around a couple of times, but that's all. You've got to believe me, he pleaded. What's going on? All three turned at the same time and saw Amy standing in the hallway. She was wearing her bathrobe, and her expression went from bewildered to absolute shock when she recognized Larry Underwood. What are you doing here, Larry? What happened? No one answered right away, so Jerry Rankin took over. Go ahead, Larry. Tell Amy what you're doing here. Larry gave Anne a pained look of desperation, as if to say, Please don't make me tell her. Anne decided to remain silent to see if Larry Underwood would have the guts to confess his crimes. Amy, in the meantime, was staring at her mother for a clue as to what was going on. Finally, when it became apparent that Larry wasn't going to speak, Anne said, Larry was peeking in the bathroom window at you, honey. Amy's face turned beet red. Her eyes went from her mother to Larry to Rankin before she turned around and bolted up the stairs to her bedroom, sobbing as she ran. Anne ran after Amy. When she reached the upstairs landing, she saw that her daughter's bedroom door was closed. She knocked on it softly. Can I come in, sweetie? Moments later, Amy replied, I don't care. Anne entered the room and found Amy lying in the bed, crying. She sat down on the bed and began stroking Amy's damp hair comfortingly. I'm sorry, honey. I know how you must feel right now. Has this Larry boy been bothering you at school? Amy sat up and with great determination struggled to get herself under control. I hardly know the jerk, she replied, wiping the tears from her eyes. Her expression suddenly changed when she glanced over at the clock and saw the time. Jason will be here in half an hour, Mom. You've got to get Larry out of here. But we have to call the police, honey. He was trespassing, and the police... No, Mom, please. Just let him go. I don't want him arrested. It'll be all over school. But... Amy grabbed Anne's arm and stared at her pleadingly. Please, Mom, listen. Jason is picking me up in a few minutes. I'm not even dressed yet. And if you call the police, it's going to ruin everything. Please just let Larry go. I'm sure he has already learned his lesson by the looks on his face. Did Mr. Rankin do that to him? Yes, he did. That's just great. Now everybody's going to be talking about how my mother's boyfriend beat up a minor. Jesus, I can't believe this. My life is ruined. Anne was speechless. She couldn't believe Amy was obviously more worried about her social standing at school than the fact that a prowler had just watched her while she was taking a shower. But the boy needs to be punished, Amy. I can't just let him get away with this like it never happened. He's dangerous. And for all we know, he's the same person who's been making all those obscene phone calls. Amy appeared to be unfazed by this. I really doubt that, Mom. Larry may be a little strange, but I don't think he'd go that far. He's too much of a nerd. Please just let him go. If Jason sees him here, he'll probably want to kick the shit out of him. Is that what you want to happen? Anne seriously doubted Amy's last statement and realized that she most likely was making up just to drive her point home. She thought for a moment and then said, All right, Amy, you win, but I'm going to call his parents. Then they can decide how to punish their son. Amy shrugged. Whatever. But hurry, Mom. Before Jason gets here, I have to get dressed. Anne heaved a sigh, then stood up and left the room. As she descended the stairs, she suddenly wished that Sam were here to take care of this matter, instead of having to handle it herself. She never had been very good at this sort of thing.
When she entered the living room, Jerry was still standing in the same spot as when she'd left. Is Amy all right? Jerry asked. She'll be okay. We should make him apologize to her, Jerry declared, glaring at Larry. Anne said, I don't think she wants an apology as much as she wants to just go to the dance and have a good time. She faced Larry. You're very lucky that my daughter doesn't want me to press charges against you, Larry. If this dance didn't mean so much to her, I'd be calling the police right this minute. I'm going to call your parents, though. What is your telephone number? Larry cringed. Please, Mrs. Middleton, don't call my folks. They'll kill me. Jerry peered angrily at the boy. Well, buddy, you should have thought about that before you decided to be a peeping Tom. Now tell Mrs. Middleton your phone number before I beat it out of you. Jerry, Anne cried. Jerry stared at her and his expression softened. I'm sorry, Anne. It's just that this whole thing has made me really angry. This young man is a sicko, and I don't have much patience for his kind. If Amy were my child, I'd force him to apologize to her, then call the police and have them booked the little bastard. Well, she's not your child, and furthermore, I don't like the use of violence of any size, shape, or form. There's been enough of that already. Anne's agitation with Jerry's poor handling of this matter was just now beginning to sink in. Jerry went over and placed his hand on her shoulder. I'm sorry, Anne. It just hasn't been a very good day. Anne shrugged. It's all right, Jerry. I know that you mean well, but I'm in between a rock and a hard spot now, and I just want to get this matter resolved as soon as possible. This dance means so much to Amy. I really don't want this to ruin it for her. Jerry nodded and turned to Larry. Give us your phone number, Larry. Knowing that he had no choice, Larry recited his telephone number. Anne went into the kitchen and picked up the phone. When Larry's mother answered, Anne identified herself and explained to her what had happened. His mother had been defensive at first, apparently refusing to believe that her son was capable of doing such a thing. But Anne could also sense that Mrs. Underwood knew her son wasn't quite above it either. She asked to speak to her son, and Anne put him on. Anne stood by and could tell by the expression on his face and the gist of his dialogue that Larry Underwood was getting a royal tongue-lashing. Moments later, Larry handed the phone back to Anne, and his mother informed her that she didn't drive, but she had told Larry to come straight home, and if he hadn't arrived home in ten minutes, she would call his father at his job and have him go out and track him down. This, Larry's mother assured Anne, was the last thing Larry wanted to happen. Anne thanked her, perhaps a little too curtly, and hung up the phone. All right, Larry, you can go on now, Anne said as she led him back to the living room. Jerry was standing by the door and opened it for him. We don't want to see you around this house ever again, Larry. Is that clear? Yes, sir. Before leaving, Larry turned to Anne and said, I'm sorry, Mrs. Middleton. Anne replied, You should be. Larry turned and went out the door. Anne and Jerry both stood and watched Larry Underwood as he sauntered down the driveway to the street. His gait was slow, and Anne had a feeling that he wasn't looking forward to arriving home and facing the wrath of his mother and father. I hope his parents ream him out good. Jerry declared. That's one sick kid. Anne waited until Larry was out of sight, then closed the door. Jesus, what an ordeal, she sighed, leaning back against the wall. She looked at Jerry. Do you think he was the same one who has been making the obscene phone calls? Who knows? I wouldn't put it past the little hoodlum. Anne smiled. Thanks, Jerry. I'm glad you came around when you did. Jerry returned the smile. As I told you before, that's what I'm here for. I better go see how Amy's done. Do you think she'd mind if I take some pictures? Jerry asked. My camera's out in the car. Anne shook her head. I don't think so. She sure hammed it up for you last weekend. 
Great, I'll go get it, Jerry said, and headed for the front door. Ann glanced at the clock on the mantel and hoped that Amy was almost ready. Jason would be arriving any minute now. She ran up the stairs and found her daughter sitting at the vanity, putting the finishing touches on her makeup. You look beautiful, sweetie, she exclaimed as she walked over to her. She could tell by Amy's reflection in the mirror that she was really starting to get nervous about the big dance. I'm glad you're here, Mom. Can you help me put this necklace on? Certainly, honey. Amy reached for the diamond necklace that Anne had recently bought for her and handed it over. Anne stood behind her daughter, placed the necklace around her neck, and fastened the clasp. There you go. Is everything all right, honey? Amy shrugged her shoulders and continued applying her lip gloss. Yeah, I'm fine. Nervous? A little. Are you over the little episode that just happened? Amy paused a moment, then nodded. Yeah, I take it you called Larry's parents? Anne nodded. Yes, and his mother wasn't pleased with him at all. Larry has now gone home to face the music. Thanks, Mom, for not calling the cops, she said sincerely. You're welcome, sweetie. I just want you to go out and have a great time tonight, okay? I will, Mom. Amy stood up and fiddled with her hair a little, then turned around and faced her mother. What do you think? You look simply wonderful, honey. Jason is very lucky to be taking the most beautiful girl at Woodcrest High to the dance. Right, Mom. Amy replied, rolling her eyes. Mr. Rankin would like to take some pictures. Is that all right with you? Amy cast her mother a pained look. Oh, I guess so, as long as he makes it really quick. Just then the doorbell rang and Amy's face lit up. He's here. My God, I hope I look all right. Oh, look at this hair. Mom, go down and stall Jason for a few minutes, okay? Your hair looks fine, Amy. Relax. Please, Mom. All right, I'll go stall him for you. Anne went back downstairs and opened the door. Jason Walborn stood there with a sheepish grin on his face. Hello, you must be Jason, Anne smiled, holding the door for him to enter. Yes, how are you, Mrs. Middleton? Just fine. Anne shook his hand and glanced at Jerry. This is Mr. Rankin, Jason. Nice to meet you, Jason, Jerry said, and shook his hand. Jason Walborn was as tall, if not taller, than Jerry, with sandy hair cropped short, angular jawbones, and deep-set blue eyes. He was dressed semi-formally in a sport jacket, shirt and tie, and a pair of khaki dockers. Anne led the two men into the living room. Would you like to sit down, Jason? Amy should be down shortly. Sure, he replied, sitting down on the sofa. Amy tells me you're a soccer player. Jason nodded. Yeah, we won the division championship last year. I didn't know that. That's wonderful. Yeah, we had a really awesome team last year. There was an uncomfortable silence for a moment. Then Jerry said, what kind of car are you driving? A Honda Prelude. You must have a job then, I assume. Nah, my parents bought the car for me. I see, Jerry replied. Moments later, Amy came down the stairs and entered the room. Hi, Jason. Jason stood up and strode over to her. Hi, you look totally awesome. Amy blushed. And so do you. We go get the flowers, Mom? Sure, honey. Anne went into the kitchen to fetch Jason's boutonniere and Amy's corsage from the fridge. The two kids managed to attach their flowers to one another as Jerry looked on, brandishing his camera. Just a couple of shots, he said. Both Amy and Jason sighed and allowed Jerry to pose them in front of the mantel. Here we go. Let's see a smile. Amy and her date grinned nervously as Jerry Rankin snapped a shot. That was great. Just one more. Get a little closer, he commanded. Jason and Amy stared at one another and smirked. Jason put his arm around Amy and smiled confidently. Jerry snapped a shot and placed both prints on the coffee table. These are looking great, he says. The images began to appear. Take a look at how cute you two look together. 
Amy and Jason joined in and glanced at the photos. Yeah, we look really cool, Mr. Rankin. Can we go now? I'll go get your jacket for you, Anne told Amy. She fetched Amy's coat and helped her on with it, kissing her daughter's cheek afterwards. Have a wonderful time, honey. Thanks, Mom. And drive carefully, she added to Jason. I will, Mrs. Middleton. Amy stepped out on the porch, Jason following behind. Bye, Mom. Don't be late. Anne and Jerry stood inside the doorway and watched as the two got into Jason's prelude. After they had backed out of the driveway, Anne closed the door and sighed. I hope Amy watches out for herself. That Jason boy is much too old for her. She'll be all right, Anne. Amy seems to have a pretty good head on her shoulders from what I've seen. Anne said, Yeah, I suppose you're right. That is, as long as she stays sober. Come to think of it, I could stand a drink about right now. Do we have enough time? Jerry smiled. Of course. The lanes are open until midnight. Let's have a drink, then. I really need one after all this. Lead the way. I'm right behind you, Jerry said cheerfully. For more information about the Mayday Murders and other books by the author, please visit scottwittenberg.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>